Hello, and welcome to another episode of VR Download. In case you're new here, each week we meet here in virtual reality using the latest technologies to discuss the next generation of personal computing. I am your bespectacled host, Kyle Riesenbeck, filling in this week for Ian Hamilton. I'm joined by my colleague, David Heaney here, in our very own proprietary Upload Virtual Studios. We are broadcasting live on YouTube, so feel free to post comments and questions during the show. VR Download is also syndicated to all podcast flat platforms. And if you like this type of quality programming to continue, we need your support by liking, subscribing, and sharing all of our upload content. Hi, Haney. It's nice to be back in the studio. Did I did I do a good Ian impression here? Yeah, I think you got most of his uh introduction normally not the whole from different continents part but i think he's kind of cut that part since we finally met in person but yeah we have some interesting topics to talk about today uh we're going to talk about the hb reverb g2 black friday seal that brings it down to its lowest price ever we're going to talk about qualcomm's new snapdragon ar2 chips for wireless ar glasses and finally we'll talk about valve's new vr controller patent that was actually made public just today that's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, it is good to be back here, everyone. It's nice to see some names that I haven't seen in a while. Onakazi, hello. Alyssa, butter something. How's it going? Uh, Daniel, Mark, D1360VR. Sexy, sexy bicycle. I haven't said those words together in so long, so it's nice to he- see all of you here. Uh, you know, I, I, I watched the show. Oh, and Gee. Hey, hey, Gee. How's it going? Uh, I'm going to message you later, I think. Uh, yeah, so it's nice to be here, and um, I'm glad that we're going to have these conversations about this stuff. I mean, uh, I mean, I guess let's just dig into it. The HP Reverb G2 at, at $300, that's one that I never did purchase for myself. So what do we know about this? Yeah, so it's normally $600. So this is, you know, a half price sale. This is the lowest we've seen it go. And I think pretty inarguably for PC-based VR, assuming you're okay with the tether, this is without a doubt, the best value right now you can buy. The fact that this is $300 is, is absurd. You know, this has got higher resolution screens than Quest 2. It's got the same resolution as Pico 4. It's got those Valve Index-like off-ear speakers. Now, when we reviewed this, the weakness we obviously talked about was the controllers and controller tracking. But what this headset is ideal for is simulation. So if you're into sim racing, if you're into flight sims, Yes, this requires the Windows Mixed Reality software, which is also the main downside of this and that you have that kind of hassle and friction, but it is compatible with the vast majority of VR games on Steam and you get those really high resolution displays, you get a, a lightweight and comfortable design and that really high quality audio. So if you're a sim racer or flight sim fan, $300 for this is a very good value. You know, I have, oh, I don't know, three or four different windows mixed reality headsets and every single one of them uses these controllers like this is a tried and true model that has been used in so many uh different different headsets with with windows mixed reality um and it is kind of the weakness to most of these headsets i agree with that i mean i've experienced the g2 it's very comfortable headset actually uh it feels great on your head in my opinion uh and i like the off-ear speakers myself um, sort of wish I had other headsets had that as well. 
But, uh, but yeah, I mean, $300 for this headset, and especially if you don't have one at all and you're looking for an entry level for PC VR, uh, y- y- you really can't beat that. Yeah, and the design kind of reminds me of the original Rift. I always thought that the reverb is what we would expect to have seen had there been an Oculus Rift 2. You've got this very, very similar design just with inside-out tracking and that kind of enhanced audio and obviously the significantly higher resolution displays. Uh, James Moore in the comments saying HP isn't going to support VR for too long, right? Does that factor into purchasing? So yes, we reported on a rumor that seems to be somewhat substantiated that HP may exit the VR market next year. They may stop production of this headset. But from a perspective of a buyer, this isn't like a standalone headset where you're relying on the device maker to release sort of updates to make it useful. This is still in the vast majority of cases, you're using this through Steam VR. So software-wise, you're just looking for Valve's updates. It, you really, ideally, once you set this up, once you get the Windows Mixed Reality set up out of the way, you shouldn't really need to touch uh, HP or Microsoft's software whatsoever. But yeah, you know, the reason these controllers are the same as the prior ones and the reason that HP itself, regardless of its intentions, can't really do much here to enhance the product is that HP you know, used Microsoft as their software partner for this headset. And Microsoft looks like, you know, I don't want to, you know, speak too soon, but it does look like Microsoft has essentially abandoned that Windows Mixed Reality PC VR platform. And if you look at what happened at MetaConnect, instead Microsoft announced this kind of very broad partnership to bring its software and services to the Quest platform rather than its own PC VR platform. You know, I wonder if that means that it is that Microsoft is actually shelving it or discontinuing it you know windows mixed reality as a platform it really was just kind of a go-between uh i also want to acknowledge the fact that onakazi saying that these are not the exact same controllers just the ring is yeah it's this jacking geometry that's the same right 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 but i guess the i guess these do look a little bit more these hand uh the controller aspect where you hold is a little bit more ergonomic and maybe a little bit uh more familiar to more current modern headsets yeah yeah it's not it's not that the controller ergonomics are bad it's you know as we were saying the problem is the tracking and it's you know down to the fact that microsoft are still the ones completely in charge of that so uh, it funky does, slot. Uh, yeah go ahead i was just going to say funky slaw saying is there anything outdated about it well you know as we we're saying the panels there are still very high resolution, you know, they're as high resolution as the Pico 4. The only headsets you'll find with high resolution are the Vario Aero and the Vive Pro 2. But this is this is on sale right now in the US for this Black Friday deal for $300, less than a Quest 2. So, you know, the main aspect you could argue is outdated is the fact that it still uses Fresnel lenses. So it still has this kind of traditional old box on your face design, as opposed to the newer headsets like Quest Pro and Pico 4 that use those pancake lenses for a slimmer visor and sort of clear edge to edge clarity. But again, the, just the fact that this is down at $300 means that regardless of what is outdated, it's still a really good deal. The other thing I do want to point out is that this headset does not require you to have lighthouse boxes. And actually, the, the, it's tracked already. The cameras are on the front, and it's tracked just like a Quest would. And so you have that also. You don't have to worry about having additional hardware in your room to be able to do this. And I've always been very impressed with 
the immediate mediocrity <laughs> of the Windows uh, mixed reality headsets is that it it all it immediately worked okay. Like you didn't you didn't have to tweak too much as long as you had enough light in the room, it worked good enough. And for three hundred dollars, the value of good enough is good enough. Yeah, and a lot of people don't give Microsoft credit for this, but they were the first company to ship to consumers inside-out headset and controller tracking before right. Quest, before any of the other Quest competitors we see now. Microsoft did it. Yes, obviously it's easier with the power of a PC than on a mobile chip, but the problem is, as we've said, you know, they kind of rested on their laurels. They put a lot of effort into that initial push, but then they just didn't back it up with that constant improvement that we saw from the likes of Meta. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, but so yeah, I guess this is our. Uh, I guess since this is the last episode that we'll do before Thanksgiving and Black Friday, uh, this is our first Black Friday deal uh, that we're actually pushing out on the show. Yeah, I think it's from what we've seen. You know, HTC has already announced its Black Friday deal. Obviously, Meta has announced that Quest Two is available for fifty dollars less than usual, and will come with Resident Evil Four and beat saber so that's a good deal but you know if you're looking for a, if you're looking for a general standalone hybrid headset that quest 2 deal is great but if you are someone who is specifically wanting to play the likes of you know elite dangerous flight simulator uh any of the racing sims this is probably what you're going to prefer simply because it doesn't have that extra weight in the front and it has that you know, best-in-class audio that if you're using this audio in something like a driving sim, just like on Index, it really, really adds to the immersion. Here, I'll, I'll help HP out sell some headsets. So if you're the type of person who is already an avid and, and like bleeding-edge PC gamer, and you're like, maybe this is the year that I'm going to get into VR, this is the headset that you should consider if you're if you've already broken the bank because you bought the the new 4090 uh, video card and you had to take on a second mortgage on your house to be able to buy that. So. <laughs> and it replaces your whole heating system for the winter. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so I think where you can talk about uh, the next news: Qualcomm's AR2 chip. So I'm I'm really curious about this thing because it, it it feels like it's the the magic component that is needed for the next generation of stuff now i don't i don't i don't have an nreal headset do you have one yes i have the nreal light and you know just on a side note it, it often frustrates me that people keep confusing the two different nreal products so there is the nreal light are the actual ar glasses they sell they have tracking cameras on them and they can position objects in your room and then the nreal air is their new one which is just they're just kind of video glasses they don't have tracking cameras they just have a floating monitor in front of you but the, the nreal light is powered by specific phones both for the compute and the battery so you have to actually plug it in via USB-C, and you use the phone both as a controller and the battery and as the processing unit. The glasses are just a dumb unit. Qualcomm's sort of advancement here with this new AR2 chipset is that the next wave of these you know, early AR glasses can be wireless. And what they've done is they've actually distributed the, the computing tasks across three processors. You have the main processor for perception and display output, this coprocessor, that does AI and computer vision tasks, and then 
the latest Qualcomm Fast Connect 7800 chip with Wi-Fi 7 is used to actually stream the AR apps that are run by your phone. Qualcomm also says it would work with a compute puck if a manufacturer wanted to make one of those. So you get the glasses and a puck that you put in your pocket. Or it, theoretically, it could work with Windows PCs that use Snapdragon chips, some of the latest laptops that use that, though there hasn't been any you know, software or company actually announced support for that. I expect when this does come, it will be through smartphones as displayed here. But yeah, the advancement is you get this better thermal dissipation across three chips and you get the lack of wire. So it'll be really interesting to see which companies ship this. Uh, Qualcomm says that LG, Lenovo, Xiaomi, TCL, Sharp, Oppo, Pico, and Enreal are all working on glasses using this new chip solution. See, I don't understand the uh, people don't like the puck. You know, I, I, I'm a big fan of the puck because I feel like I, I, if I had something like this, I wouldn't want to plug it into my phone and have it drain all the power out of my phone or even connect it to the phone for any type of long term use. I would want to have. Uh, a, a proprietary physical object that I could stick in my pocket that has battery life. And I mean, a cord that runs down my side or down my arm, or I don't know, whatever. I think that makes more sense because it gives you so many more options in terms of, of compute power, uh, upgradability. I mean, you don't upgrade your monitor every time you upgrade your, your, your computer tower. I mean, I mean, some people do. And I know if you're into laptops, it's kind of goes without saying, but I feel like a device like this doesn't need. I don't know. I'm okay with having the puck. I don't. A lot of people well, just really hate the puck. This does support a puck. You know, this computing device here can be a phone or a puck. The difference, the only difference here is that it would be a wireless puck. So the puck, instead of being the battery for the for the glasses, would just be the computing. So to be clear, this chip, the AR2, the applic, the AR apps are not running on the glasses. They're still running on the phone and being wirelessly streamed. The only difference is that now, because these chips are lower power, Qualcomm says that AR2 uses half the power of the XR2 that's used in Quest 2 and Pico 4, you can actually have glasses-like designs that have batteries large enough to actually have a reasonable battery life. You, you know, we haven't actually seen standalone AR glasses shipped yet. The, the Nreal we're talking about and these are tethered AR glasses. This is a wireless tether, but it's still a tether. The only standalone AR glasses we really know of are the Snapchat spectacles that are in developer hands. They're not being shipped out. And the result there of trying to put all the compute into the glasses themselves is it has a 15-minute battery life. So <laughs> the technology to make completely standalone AR glasses that have a reasonable battery life simply does not exist today. And so this kind of solution is needed. Yes, it's annoying to have to drain some of the power of your phone. You know, while it's running, it's doing the hard work of running the AR app. So your phone's battery will be draining. You will feel the heat of your phone in your pocket as it as it runs the tasks. But you know, that's what means you can get an actually practical battery life out of the glasses themselves. So then what what level of display are we getting on this? So we don't know, you know, if you mean in terms of what uh, field of view and resolution is reported. So the things that we typically ask about a VR headset. So they haven't, you know, this is only the chip solution. They haven't said what's supported. What they have said is it supports up to nine cameras. Uh, They have mentioned that this 
Link works very similar to something like Virtual Desktop or AirLink, but has a latency of less than two milliseconds thanks to this Wi-Fi 7 chip. But they haven't you know, gone into detail about what it can support. It, it'll probably uh, just be down to what physical display and optical systems are actually integrated by the manufacturers. And in a second, we'll talk about the Niantic reference design headset that was built with this chip. With this being a reference design, and we've seen this so many times, and I know you're kind of a stickler for this, Heaney, is a reference design does not equal a product that will be on a shelf next year. Uh, reference design is something that is available for many com- companies to look at and say, okay, I can build mine based off of the technology in this. But you will never see that headset that we just had up on the display out in the wild for you to buy. It'll be a branded version of it. Unlike what this is. What what is this monstrosity? <laughs> well, this this is no this is still a reference design. This is from Niantic, the company behind Pokemon Go. That's obviously their most popular product. And they've been working with Qualcomm for the past few years to build these kind of prototype headsets that they're using to learn the design of air applications their developers are able to go out and work in the real world with outdoor ar and build whereas other developers that are building ar on smartphones for example only are not going to learn the same design principles to transfer over to head-worn ar so it's possible that a, a hardware company will come along and take this reference design and make it into a consumer product But for now, I suspect the real intention here from Niantic is, as I was saying, just to prototype with head-worn AR and figure out what works. It's like when people got computers for the first time or when people got touchscreen smartphones for the first time. Developers need time to see what does this new platform allow, what interactions work, what kind of display modalities work what gameplay is actually fun on these glasses these are things you can all kind of speculate and muse about but the only way that you're really going to learn is by giving your developers actual hardware and that's what niantic again the company behind pokemon go has so i imagine that niantic will be very well positioned to be one of the largest ar glasses games makers because they're giving these developers this so soon so i'm 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 very confused about two things so this isn't a reference design. This is a reference it, it, design. It, it is a reference design, but this Niantic is a company that produces content. Yes. And they've made a reference design for a piece of hardware to run their content, but they themselves are not going to produce this hardware. I'm very confused as to why, how that happens. Yeah, it is a confusing situation at first, and it's it's what's led to some people erroneously thinking that this is some sort of product. But what, like I said, what I think they're doing here is that there is no device that they can buy that lets them prototype this kind of AR application today. You know, maybe you could go out and get something like a Magic Leap Two, but you're talking about you know three thousand dollars or or so per headset, and that actually has much more computing power and and it's actually built into the to the puck for the headset than what consumers are likely to have in the first iteration of AR glasses. So if you get developers to build content for that, they would have to somehow sort of scale down. Again, I, what I expect here is that because Niantic is making these investments and learning about what actually works, 
what we may see when when companies like Meta or Apple or Google or Amazon or whoever do come out with AR glasses for consumers, Niantic will be ready to ship games. I, I expect it'll be, you know, later in this decade and in the 2030s, a pretty common occurrence to see people having a Pokemon battle in the park where, you know, instead of looking through a little rectangle in their hand, they're kind of physically in the world, seeing each other's Pokemon beside each other. And those sort of games that Niantic makes are just ideal for this kind of use case where outdoor public gaming will become a thing like it never really has before. So the other thing I want to bring up uh, about this headset, and I, and I saw this on social media, What what is going on with that little flip head, headband flip? So this is a fascinating solution to the headband for a headset obviously if you have something like a quest pro or a hololens 2 the rigid head strap means that you are constrained to portability if you if you're someone who's already got a quest pro like i have you'll notice that if you have to get a case for it there's a lot of wasted space that would be solved if it was foldable so niantic says that this headset weighs less than 250 grams which is you know just a fraction of something like a quest pro and because of the head strap design they've gone for here, it can actually fold in half for greater portability, which is not as important for a VR headset, but for an AR headset, if you're trying to bring this around in the real world and use it outdoors, being able to pack it away, just like a foldable drone, for example, is going to be very important. This feels very like MC Escher, like it physically shouldn't be able to go from there to there. Like, and I get it's a render, but I mean, it's just, I want to know what material that's made out of, that it's going to fold like that and that's going to be okay. I'm yeah. I'm really mystified at that. It is, it is, it doesn't look quite right. And I do suspect it probably is just to being at render. You know, this is not a product, like I said, that they're actually announcing. This is sure. just very much in the exploratory stage and they're just kind of, asking what is what are the kind of features that people will need I, I doubt they've actually built this in exactly this format so i see Guy in here and somebody's obviously asked Guy, are you going to make like vr desktop available you know virtual desktop available for this and he's like i only do vr headsets okay and so obviously we have here a uh this is not uh pass-through video type of this is see-through you're seeing yeah. through this so this is similar to uh your uh magic leap and your hollow lens uh those types of headsets in Unreal, obviously but uh I'm, I'm again i'm i'm questioning the display technology uh the field of view the capabilities of this because if everybody could get all excited about this and it comes out and it's a little tiny square in front of your eyes and it's 30, 35 degrees or 37 or whatever we're up to now uh, on AR headsets. This, this, this is a very ambitious design to be putting out as a reference in today's day and age. I don't know. Well, I mean, that's why, you know, this isn't a product. That's why there aren't really products like this yet. As you say, the major disadvantage of these see-through AR systems, where you're seeing a transparent view of the real world, not through a camera, you're just seeing it like you would look through glasses, and then virtual content is superimposed over using a waveguide, is that you do have a very, very limited field of view. There has been pretty much uh, no significant progress in this field recently. Magic Leap 2 has had progress in the vertical field of view they've brought it up to a semi-reasonable position but it's still nowhere near something like a pass-through headset but the disadvantage you know if if you've 
read or watched any Quest Pro review or you have a Quest Pro, you'll know of current pass-through AR is that the, the view of the real world is much lower quality than what you would see through a transparent headset. So I think overall, I still much prefer being able to get that larger field of view, even if you do get a grainy video view. But eventually there are going to be headsets that with transparent optics that do provide a reasonable field of view. And that's what Niantic are kind of building towards. I am going to also point out the fact that I am extremely excited that these newer models of AR headsets all seem to accommodate the bespectacled individual. Uh, For folks, uh, more than half of the planet wears glasses. And so having headsets that accommodate that sort of thing is very important. Uh, I know Magic Leap, I'd always had a hard time with Magic Leap because it doesn't support glasses. And, um, you know, I think Enreal has like, like swap out, uh, you know, prescription lenses for it and stuff like that. But I don't know. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm happy with the, like right now I'm wearing my Quest Pro. This is the first time I've done the Quest Pro in the studio here. I'm very happy. Uh, I do not have the full, uh, you know, I'm not blocking out the whole room so I can see my hands down here and I can see my computer and I can see everything. And, and I thought that was going to be distracting, but honestly, it's, it's really actually kind of convenient to be able to see down and, you know, what's going on here, but then also interact with you. It's actually sort of surreal to switch back and forth. Uh, but man, just not having to have prescription lenses, you know, I was like, Oh, I have prescription lenses for my quest Two. I'll, buy them for the quest pro no i won't actually uh this thing sits away from my i'm not worried that it's gonna scratch my lenses i'm not worried about uh the distraction of it all love it i'm gonna continue to have my quest pro uh be my daily driver with my glasses on and it's on and off very easily and quickly um i see was andrew's asking a question hi kyle how does the quest pro fit your face Find mine hurts the forehead a bit after an hour. Um, So I have a um, pro tip, wear a hat backwards. Um, That's what I do. Uh, I have a a baseball cap. uh, It's fitted to my head, and I turn it backwards, and I put it on, and then I put the headset over top. Uh, that's that's my secret. A, a do rag, some sort of kerchief, uh, you know, cover it up. You know, I mean, yeah, if you have long hair, cap. if you have yeah, long hair, you yeah. can just push your hair under the headband as well. It does. I, I suspect we'll see third party replacements for that material that goes in the head that are much mm-hmm. more comfortable. It's really bizarre to me that in a fifteen hundred dollar product, they picked quite cheap feeling materials compared to something like the Valve Index foam. It's just not at all at the same level. So I I compared it to a really expensive pair of shoes. Somebody, I was having a candid conversation with somebody about this exact problem because I have a huge uh, noggin as well. And um, no, I can't get LASIK, by the way, everyone. Uh, But uh, no, I, I, I compared it to a really good pair of shoes. You wouldn't wear a really good expensive pair of shoes without putting on socks first. So just get ahead sock i guess is what i'm suggesting that that's that's my pro tip for all of you out there uh no i wish i could get lasik but uh now uh somebody didn't want me to ever be able to do that so they made my eyes very messed up but anyway yeah so what we got here magic leap 2 fov versus typical vr versus human eye this this chart here um yeah that's not that's not good enough 
Really? Yeah, and so Magic Leap 2 is, you know, it's the state of the art right now in transparent optics. But as you can see here, even the state of the art, and as I said, Magic Leap's innovation was to take the heart, uh, the vertical field of view and expand it to taller than any transparent headset on the market. It still doesn't compare to the typical VR headsets. And, you know, Pico 4 and Quest Pro are actually wider field of view than the typical VR you see here. This is kind of the, the Quest 2-like display. So VR headsets are already pushing past this. And then you can see, obviously, there's still a long way to go to the human eye, but these opaque camera pass-through headsets like Quest Pro and its successors are very likely going to get much, much closer to this before transparent systems can even get to where VR is today. So you do still have this really irritating trade-off. And the other trade-off is that these transparent headsets, their optical systems cost significantly more. So with the VR style display system, you not only get a significantly cheaper solution, but you also get a wider field of view. And I imagine in coming years, we're going to see much better camera pass-through with higher resolution cameras and better chips for processing them. That means that they can get a much more realistic and, and sharp and less grainy view of the real world. I, I'm, I am, I have preached this for years. Anybody who's ever had more than a 15 minute conversation with me about AR knows pass through, pass through, pass through, pass through, pass through will be the answer before they get to a wave guide that's going to be able to match the human eye. Uh, I, I believe that that's the answer that Apple will use, uh, at least for one of the headsets if they ever finally decide to release anything. Uh, but I, I do believe that good pass through. I, I mean, everybody, rips on the pass-through of being low quality for the Quest Pro, I'm impressed. It's a jump forward, in my opinion, and I'm happy with it. And, I mean, the like seeing my hand here, I can see it underneath. I'm looking down, and then I, I, I look out here. And, I mean, it's a split, like, tiny little bit off, a couple pixels here and there, but it's good enough. And I mean, I walked around for an hour one day uh, with my my Quest Pro, and the and the you know, and then the battery died. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's really, I think it's that's the way to go. And uh, it looks like some people are agreeing with me here in the yeah. chat. So and thank you. From an engineering perspective, it is much, 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 much easier for headsets like Quest Pro, well, for future versions of headsets like Quest Pro to get dramatically better camera quality than it is for headsets like Magic Leap 2 and HoloLens to get a dramatically wider field of view. One of the hardest engineering problems in the entire AR VR sector is how to expand the field of view of these waveguide displays like you see in the transparent headsets. It truly is the question that Meta and Apple and all of these big companies are throwing billions of dollars of research and development at, and it may take them until the later half of the decade, if not the 2030s, to really be able to figure out how to do that. Because they're trying to do it, not only are they trying to do it, but they're trying to do it in a glasses form factor. So it is an uphill battle on so many levels. And the technology for this pass or for this see-through AR is just so, so early compared to the technology for opaque VR-like headsets. Yeah, and you know, in the comments, uh, your mom dot com says you've got to be kidding me, not to be salty, but it's all warpy up close and massive grainy noise fest, like the three D cams off a Nintendo three DS. Right now, it is. You're right, but for those of us who remember uh, a decade ago when 
VR did not have any level of positional tracking. Uh, fast forward to, hey, look, we finally have controllers because remember, input is hard. And now we're complaining about a 480p resolution pass-through video, which didn't exist at all a few years ago. And I, I mean, I get it. People want it like that, but uh, it'll get there. It'll get there. Patience, patience, Willow, patience. Yeah, and the rumors seem to suggest that Apple next year are going to potentially be the first ones to really pull that off as in a really high-quality pass-through in a shipping consumer product that gets kind of somewhat close to reality. So, you know, the rumors suggest that it's going to be priced somewhere between two and $3,000, but that it will potentially pull off that holy grail, or at least the first iteration of it. It's funny how the holy grail is used as the... Like, oh, the thing that'll solve all the problems. And yet, for some reason, when we get the Holy Grail, we're looking for another Holy Grail, you know, chasing that chasing that dragon. I don't know. It's fun. That's that's the arc of technology. Everything's, you know, exciting. The next big thing's exciting. And then when it comes, it's just the current thing. And yep. it's the next thing that's going to really revolutionize things. But that's how the industry works. That's how progress happens. And that's why we get all the incredible, you know, pocket supercomputers we have today. Yeah, no, Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, wow. Okay. So um, it looks like we have another thing. And so I, I, a valve patent for a controller for the, uh, you know, they have this top secret headset called the Replicant. Is that what it's called? <laughs> the Valve Deckard. Yes. Deckard. Okay. I thought it was a Replicant. My bad. Yes, so obviously uh, Kyle referencing there the fact that Deckard is the name of the protagonist in Blade Runner and likely what Valve has sort of named this after. But yeah, the new patent that's come out today from Valve, as you can see on screen, or if you're listening, you can go to uploadvr.com and see it, depicts a VR controller that seems to be like a marriage between the index controllers and the Quest controllers. And, you know, when I say Quest, I'm talking about the Quest 1 and 2, not the Quest Pro line, where you have this index-like hand strap so that you can adjust it for your hand and let go. You can drop objects naturally, and most importantly, you can throw objects naturally by just truly throwing with your hand. But then instead of that a large ring of photodiodes we saw on the index controllers for base stations. It looks like what we're seeing here is in a ring of IR LEDs, infrared LEDs, just like what you see in Quest, just like what you see on those Microsoft Windows Mixed Reality controllers, except they were actually visible light LEDs, not infrared. And just like you see uh, infrared on you know the Pico 4 controllers, the Vive Focus 3 controllers. It has essentially become the industry standard for all except the self-track controllers on Quest Pro to have this design of a ring of plastic, uh, uh, infrared transparent plastic with LEDs under it that are tracked by the headset itself. So this suggests when in combination with the Valve job listing last month that mentioned a headset that used visual inertial tracking for the headset and controllers, that Valve will indeed use a computer vision-based inside-out tracking system similar to what we've seen on Quest. Now, that doesn't mean that they may also not support the SteamVR Lighthouse base station system. That may be an optional feature. There may be a variant of this controller that uses Lighthouse tracking, but it looks like for the actual kind of baseline uh, minimum feature set that is shipped out at scale, Valve is not going to require 
those base stations. And that means that they can ship a product that is cheaper and more accessible because, as everyone knows, those base stations are $150 each and you need two of them for a good kind of tracking coverage. So I do not have an index and I do not have uh, – actually, I just moved recently and I never put up in my new office or anywhere in, in the new house, I didn't put up my lighthouse boxes. And I – should I? I mean, in anticipation of something like this, uh, am I going to need to bring Lighthouse? If I take my Quest somewhere, or my Quest 2 or my Quest Pro, I can just, you know, hey, I'm going to Aunt Sally's house and we're going to do VR. Look, kids, line up and we'll all do Beat Saber. What, if I take this headset and I need to bring the Lighthouse boxes with me, well, it's not really... Well, that's, well, that's the indication here that Valve is going to kind of ditch the requirement for the lighthouses and go with that same tracking style as Quest. So you'll just have the Valve Deckard headset, the Valve Deckard controllers, and that'll be it. And as Gabe Newell has hinted at the past, as Valve's engineers have hinted at the past, this Deckard headset, this next Valve VR headset, will very likely have onboard compute for standalone function. It obviously, almost certainly, will also be able to connect to your gaming PC wirelessly, just like you can on a Quest via virtual desktop or Airlink, but it looks like it will have the ability to actually have onboard compute and completely independent tracking so that you will not have to have that set up anymore. Okay, so I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be bold and say that we should put an article up on uploadvr.com. Lighthouse is dead. <laughs> right? Well, we need, yeah, well, so, you know, we don't have confirmation that this patent is exactly what's going to show up in, in Deckard. If Valve does announce a product and it does indeed have these controllers and it does indeed not require Lighthouse base stations, I think it's arguable to say that for the vast, vast, vast majority of consumers, Lighthouse is dead, yes. Yep. But it's important to remember that there is still a subset of hardcore enthusiasts that need Lighthouse base stations for the, the Vive trackers that they attach for full body tracking. So I don't think we can, we can say that at this point, Lighthouse would be on life support. But to really say it's dead, we're going to need to see an alternative body tracking solution that matches or exceeds the cost and quality of lighthouses and Vive trackers. I still think we are ripe to see that from some company. I really think that even if it's just two different base stations that have cameras and run computer vision algorithms that you put in the corners of your room, that's something that is likely to emerge in the next few years and not require strapping things. But it has not arrived yet. And right now, for those people that are you know, doing dances in VR chat or other such applications, there still is no real practical alternative. So uh, I don't know. Uh, end of life maybe is a more appropriate term than dead. I always hate when people say, oh, it's dead. But end of life is something that could definitely – uh, but yeah, Lighthouse, I don't know. It's interesting to think about that. And, and I never thought about the whole body tracking. I mean, that's another article we could write. Uh, you know, Deckard will not support full body tracking. Uh, I mean, we don't know. I, we don't know whether well, or not it's going to use Lighthouse. So, so yeah, interestingly, in that job listing from last month was for a, an engineer for computer vision, and it did mention body tracking. So that suggests that they're looking to do body tracking from cameras and using computer vision algorithms. But what that didn't mention is, are they going to do this from the headset? Are they going to be downwards facing cameras, like what has been rumored for Apple's headset? Or is this going to be from external boxes that are, you know, 
basically the new lighthouses that instead of being laser emitters are actually cameras that have onboard processing. We're not going to know that until we get some sort of leak about the actual product Valve's announcing or Valve makes an announcement. For now, what we do know, though, is Valve is very much so shifted from this laser-based system to actually doing computer vision, at the very least for the controllers, based on that job listing, definitely for hand tracking and for eye tracking. The question is, you know, is that going to make it to body tracking as well? I, l- I love how your, your initial reaction was, we won't know that information until we get a leak or an actual real like news, <laughs> like they actually announce it. The leak, we go to the leaks like right away, right? There's so many leaks right now. Um, you know, the, the whole industry is leaking like a sieve and it's all going into one bucket. Hi, Bradley. Um, <laughs> somebody asked about the dip switch here. Um, this is for your interfinger distance. So just like your interpupillary distance, there's people have bigger thumbs, I guess. I don't know. What What do you think that is? Amy? So from, from what I understand in the, the patent, uh, if we're talking about the same thing here, it is just for adjusting that strap. It's, it's a way of, uh, it's like a linear adjustment so that in, you can just adjust the strap for your exact hand size. On, on index, you kind of had this uh, little manual uh, multiple point adjustment for your, for your hand size. This just looks like a refinement of that idea. And, you know, if you've never used the index controllers or seen them, uh, the, the difference between them and, and this and your other controllers that you would see today is, as I was saying, instead of a grip trigger for your middle finger, you'd literally just let go of the controller. Instead of kind of having to do a, a mimicking of throwing, and if you ever put a new person that has never used VR controllers into a quest, that is the hardest thing for them to learn. When you say throw, they're going to do the most natural thing to them, rightly so. They're going to release their hand and let go, but then the controller is going to go flying out of their hands unless they have the the little wrist strap, in which case it'll kind of just whack into their arm. So that was always, to me, the favorite feature of the Index overall, those controllers with the ability to let go. It's really surprising that no other company has actually taken up this idea. It's only really been a Valve thing. And if this is indeed the Deckard controller, I'm really happy to see Valve continue with that because why on earth, maybe some commenters disagree and they don't, they prefer a grip trigger. I think Onikaze is suggesting that. But to me, it just makes so much more sense that if I want to throw a grenade, I push my hand forward and open the palm rather than just releasing my middle finger and keeping the rest of it gripped. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I had to buy third party for my for my Quest controllers. I had to buy third party straps to hold them on because you know I, you know, play real VR fishing, and I don't know how many times I've gone to cast, and it's just like yikes, and I just threw the whole controller uh, across the room. So that that's definitely an advantage. I, I do want to ask about this loop, the loop on top of the controller. We've been whining about that level of tracking for years that you know you put it behind your head and look at that i have my hand tracking on and it stopped uh on the quest pro but you know you put it behind your head and it doesn't track anymore uh are we gonna are we literally going back to that Uh, does this feel like something uh that valve is taking a step backwards into this problem yeah, that is interesting to note that, you know, if, as you can see in my hands right now, I have the Quest Pro controllers. So if I put them behind my head, they're still tracking regardless of the fact they're here. I can even kind of contort all the way behind my back and you can see my, head, my hands are still completely tracking, swapping them around. You know, there is no limitation 
based on where the headset's pointing to the Quest Pro controllers. And the disadvantage of doing headset tracking of a controller like this is that you need to either surround the headset and cameras so they're pointing in every conceivable direction or accept the fact that there are some angles that it won't be tracked at. But some commenters have pointed out there are some slight disadvantages to this in that they don't work well in the dark. If you're in a completely dark environment that your headset is only barely just tracking in, those controllers are going to really struggle and sometimes lose alignment. You need to either have a light on or use an IR lamp that you can't see. Uh, there's also the fact that you know you have the slightly heavier weight. Uh, there is that little synchronization time when you first pick up the controllers for them to sync their uh, position map with the headset, so they're slightly out of alignment. But overall, it is surprising to see Valve kind of catch up to where Meta was in 2019 with controller tracking, while Meta is off pushing this kind of new direction. And you know, we don't know when Deckard is going to be released, but it's very possible that by then it'll be maybe you know a year or so until Quest Pro Two is announced, and it might have even better Touch Pro controllers that you know refine some of these little issues with the self-track controllers. So. Yes, it's possible that Valve's controllers won't have all the features of Touch Pro, but at the same time, if it has, you know, like in that job listing, body tracking, it's likely Valve will, you know, offer other features that Quest Pro doesn't offer. And it's we've never really been in this position in the VR market where there's one headset that does everything better than any other headset. It's always been a matter of trade-offs. It's a matter of, do you prefer this spec or this spec? Do you care about this feature or this feature? And that seems like what it's going to be like for a while. We're still in that stage of innovation where companies are prioritizing different aspects of their products. And I'm really interested to see what does Valve prioritize when it comes to shipping their headset. Yeah. Yeah, it will be interesting, especially since it's Valve, right? I mean, they just, it'll all of a sudden just dump. We don't even know when or how. Uh, somebody asked, uh, Go Green Game On. Kyle, that's me. Yes, it is me. Uh, Yes, I'm, I'm I'm back for a limited time. Uh, see, just uh, full disclosure, uh, Ian, uh, the normal host here with Heaney, uh, he started a uh, he found a mod for uh, endless mode and pistol whip uh, several days ago, and we haven't heard from him since. I assume he's still <laughs> in there playing. Um, I mean, I wouldn't want to stop. I mean, you know, he's racking up that high score, so we're just going to let him do his thing, and then he can come back and report on it. Uh, Anakazi says, right now we don't know if the Pro Controllers are a step forward or just a weird dead end. It depends on what Meta does with the default Quest 3 controllers. So I, I'm not sure I quite agree there because you know Quest 3 is still in the main Quest line. What, what will decide whether this approach is a dead end is what does Meta do with Quest Pro 2? I, as I've said before on this show, I don't think it's likely we're going to see these very expensive to make self-tracked super controllers arrive in a 300 to 500 dollar total quest 3 package i think that's exceptionally unlikely although i would love to be proven wrong but that doesn't mean that this is a dead end it just means that this is probably what the high-end controllers are going to look like in the vr market the con the controllers that are used by you know enthusiasts and prosumers as they're called and businesses whereas you know the mainstream affordable headsets are still going to use those uh, traditional tracking methods. You know, I point out that the the real advantage to me, and I think in practice to these self track controllers, is not the fact that you can you know track them behind your head or whatever. Because how often are you really doing that? 
and how often does that really matter? There's very few use cases. What really matters to me is the fact that you can bring them directly together. You no longer are limited by having plastic that you can't see in VR bashed together. You can perform fine two-handed interactions at really close scale that were simply never possible before. And that's especially important in a lot of creative applications, things like Gravity Sketch, things like uh, other 3D uh, visualization and design tools, where if you're trying to make really, really precise changes to something or interact with small objects on close scale, which is in many ways VR's strength, that's something that simply isn't possible. There is nothing more frustrating, even in a game like Onward or Contractors, where you have a 200 rifle, there's nothing more frustrating than going to reload your uh, weapon and pull a magazine out. And instead of actually putting it in the right place and pulling back the bolt, you end up smashing the plastic of the two controllers together right while you're trying to you know, save yourself from being shot and d- duck behind cover. So just the removal of that physical plastic to me is the advantage of this design. And I really... I'm quite surprised that Valve is going with this approach if Deckard is, as many expect, going to be this high-end product. Although there always is the possibility that few have really considered that maybe Valve won't go for the Quest Pro. Maybe Valve will do what they did with Steam Deck pricing. Steam Deck pricing was significantly lower than many people predicted. Maybe Valve will actually price for the Quest 2 and the Quest 3. Maybe those are the products they'll take on. And if that's Valve's strategy, this makes complete sense. You know, I have uh, I have two children at home who play VR quite a bit. Uh, the older one is into Echo Arena. And uh, I don't know how many times, you know, you hear the whole, ah, and, you know, screams and expletives. And you're like, oh, great. Did she break another ring off of a set of controllers? Um, great thing for you know the quest pro which she's never allowed to touch uh is you know she's not going to break the controller ring off um you know she might break a finger now uh but uh yeah that's i think there's definitely a lot of advantages for that um someone in the comments said that we should get the little fuzzy things for our microphones now that has been i do topic, a topic of conversation so heaney put a, a little fuzzy uh, mustache on on his Quest Pro because that's where your your microphones see, are right. I'll under see if the I can upload an image. Actually, you keep talking, and I'll see yeah. if I can put the image on screen. Sure. Yeah. So uh, you know, having done lots of uh, photography and video and live streaming and all that sorts of stuff, it is a, it is a, you know you know it's bad. It's pretty bad. And so I thought, well, I'll just put a uh, I just put a piece of masking tape on mine, just one little piece of masking tape thinking that that would be something. Uh, and Heaney went all out and bought the little, the little fuzzy balls and, and stuck them on his nose. Uh, it, it, neither one of them, I guess, uh, oh, it says, okay. So Onakazi saying, oh yeah, Heaney sounds way better this week than last week. Now that you mention it. Okay. Uh, and so this was just my first attempt. I just, like I said, just masking tape over the holes, um, off to find something else to put over my holes. Uh, to make it to make it uh, sound better, um, seems like a design flaw, you know. Uh, especially with social being so important, I, I kind of feel like Meta dropped the ball on this. 
Oh, I, I definitely agree. So, you know, if any <laughs> if any regular viewers are noticing why I do sound better, my Quest Pro now has a mustache or a beard, depending on how you want to define it. Uh, this is what I'm using right now. I have covered this thing with the same material that microphone wind blockers use. If this, ha- I'm going to listen back after the podcast to see how well it worked. Uh, if that didn't work, I'll just have to revert back to Quest 2. But I'm really hoping, you know, given the the effort and the fact that every so often I can feel it against my nose, which is horrifically I uncomfortable. was uh, going to ask that, yes. There has to be a better way than, you know, than than the little the little fuzzball. I would not be able to handle that. I'd be like, you'd see me on the show, like, constantly, like, wiping, 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 wiping. I can't do that. So, uh yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get rid of that. Um, YourMom.com. Uh, yes, I'm not going to repeat your comment, but yes, that's exactly what I thought as well. Um, uh, it yeah. looks like the commenters are saying it's working, so that's great. We'll okay. you know we'll try to make sure that all of our staff are using this solution. Uh, you know, from a physics perspective, it makes sense. This is how normal microphones solve this. I'm yeah. really surprised that Meta didn't think about this as you say it really does seem like a design flaw would it have hurt them to put some of this material on the mic would it have hurt them to even just put like a thin sort of uh, film in front of the mic or some sort of material to block it out i do not understand how this wasn't caught and fixed so am i am i really bad so does this like you know peter piper picked a pack of pickled peppers is that is that bad is it you know I don't know. I, I I thought maybe just a little piece of tape. I am not going to do this. Okay, this is not <laughs> an, this is not the solution. If you guys want to see me come back on the show and sound good, no, <laughs> no. Uh, I will figure something out. I will go, you know, steal some Velcro off of an old pair of shoes or something. But that that is not no, no. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, as you say, you're only covering for Ian this week, so I guess it doesn't make sense. But I am pretty sure the last communication I had with Ian on this was that he is also going to be using this solution. And, yeah. you know, I for, for my nose, I can just trim off literally a few of these little hairs at the bottom and it won't hit the nose. It's only very, very rarely that I can feel it against my nose. So I think this is... I, I just wonder how, like, th- this is three separate little bushels of hair i i wonder if i could like if you did trim them you know you just kind of landscaped it a bit uh if that would still work i wonder if someone will make an accessory specifically for the quest pro that kind of slots in in this exact shape and just sticks on as one little component and maybe he's even removable you know some sort of like multi-sided adhesive that is removable uh I mean, we haven't even seen the accessory market for Quest Pro start yet. It's only been out last month. I suspect we'll see all sorts of accessories from things like this to a replacement for the headband foam to a replacement for the rear foam, maybe even a set of replacements that includes a top strap because a top strap, I think, would help with a lot of people's comfort complaints. Uh, complaints. Uh, Jeremy asking a, a, an excellent question. Does it affect the face camera for mouth, tra- mouth tracking? So there are three face tracking cameras in Quest Pro. One of them is actually inside the headset above your eyes, and the other two are out here. They're on the very edges here. And because of where they're facing, which is kind of in towards this direction, uh, I have not noticed any impact in face tracking applications. We are not yet using face tracking in this studio for complicated reasons that you know I've explained before. Uh, 
Name fan asks, has Meta replied about this mic issue? No, they have not. We've submitted official bug report, as have a few other people. We reached out to Meta to ask about this, but we did not get a response. As we discussed before, it's really just the fact that A, it's a slimmer headset, so the microphone is much closer to your mouth. And B, they decided to put these microphones right in the center of the nose gap, which is right in front of your mouth. Whereas on Quest 2, the microphones were way out to the sides. It was two microphones on the sides, and now here there's three microphones in the center. So definitely, in my view, a design flaw. Hopefully, they learn for their next headset to not make the same mistake again. So I asked the question of you that could we use an external microphone uh, through one of the two earbud like trrs like it it does it support some form of external mic a boom that we could like put down here or something but we're 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 thinking no that that's not the the quest operating system unfortunately does not support external mic input at this time that would be a great addition Uh, if anyone at meta is listening we we would love that solution if we could plug in a microphone and use it right now though the operating system does not support that hmm Bomber. Well, okay. I really liked the microphone design on the original Rift CV1, the original Oculus Rift. What they mm-hmm. did was they actually put the microphone in under the fabric, which was part of you know the headset design. There was there was fabric all over that on the external and between the lenses, and they actually just put the microphone in under that fabric so that you got the wind blocking for free by default without having to make any kind of significant design changes for it, and. You know, the the Rift, original Oculus Rift still has one of the best microphones in any VR headset ever. I think only really beaten by the Valve Index. But as Nano in our comments is pointing out, the Index occasionally had its own popping issues that you would have to add your own little fluffy thing for. And that's what I'm going to call it, the fluffy thing. The fluffy thing, yes. Um, I was thinking, you know, if it wasn't fluffy and it was just like a covering, we could call it microfoam. Uh, I don't know. Oh, wow. uh, sexy, sexy bicycle asks a question, um, or actually says says something uh, here about uh, the gaze tracking. Um, I want to I want to point out that again, uh, spectacled individual. Look, I've said it three times in this episode. Uh, that might be a record. Uh, the, my glasses mess with the eye tracking, and it looks very un like when we go into workrooms and we do a meeting. I look like I'm you know, on something the whole time. Like I can't even, my eyes aren't open. They're real squinty and it's, it doesn't work. And so I found that actually turning off the eye tracking, but leaving the facial tracking on worked actually better than having them both on. So I think there's a lot of uh, baking that still needs to occur in the software that just hasn't gotten there yet. There's definitely a lot of people having that issue where the the blink tracking is very, very broken in the current Quest Pro build where it thinks a lot of people are constantly squinting. Uh, Just as we saw massive tracking improvements on Quest and Quest 2 over time with software updates, I imagine we'll see the same thing with Quest Pro. As I said last week on this show, I have rather pessimistically come to not expect the launch software build of any new tech product I buy to actually be fully functional, whether it be from Google's Pixel line or a Samsung device or an Apple device or any of these companies. I have in the past three or five years very rarely not run into significant issues. But 
the kind of upside there is that they're almost all fixed with the first or second post-launch software update. And I suspect we'll see exactly the same thing happen with Quest Pro. As far as we're aware, the Quest Pro post-launch software update should be releasing in the first half of December. And I would expect it'll kind of knock out a lot of those launch bugs that we're seeing today. So we'll have to keep track of the things that it fixes and the things that it breaks <laughs> because that's how this works. You know, we're not into a, I don't, I don't know. I can't remember. I think Heaney, you're right. I can't remember the last time launch software for anything nowadays has been ready to rock and live and ready for prime time. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, innovators and uh, you know, uh, bleeding edge folks, you know what you're getting into. This isn't new. This isn't this isn't unique to VR. Uh, sometimes the microphone is a little wonky. Sometimes the eye tracking is weird. Sometimes you don't have legs in a major social platform. I mean, it just happens. It just happens. I know, why, right? You know. Nice thing is, I didn't have to wear pants today. So, <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Well, Heaney, I'll tell you what. Um, Fantastic. It was nice to see the uh, the regulars, the audience. Uh, this show has, since I've left, just boomed and, and become really, uh, really just a valuable asset to the community. I'm glad to see that. And I'm, I'm happy to come and fill in for Ian when uh, when the timing is right. And, uh, you know, hopefully hopefully Ian will finish his pistol whip game soon and be <laughs> back, uh, hopefully before next Tuesday. But if not, I'll, I'll, I'll be here. And uh, I, I do appreciate the love from the uh, community here seeing me back today and uh, we had some good stuff to talk about today too it was, it was good stuff yeah i'm just going to take a, a question from matthew here who's asked a very general question should i upgrade from the rift s to reverb g2 talking about that 300 dollars deal we had Ooh, we were talking about at the start that is a tough one i would say if you're playing sitting down simulator games with your rift s like flight simulator like racing simulators like elite dangerous those sort of titles, Star Wars Squadrons, yes. But if you're playing room scale games, if you're using those track controllers, you will notice a downgrade in tracking quality from the controllers going from Rift S to Reverb G2. So if you're sitting there thinking, I really want to upgrade my Rift S, I would recommend, if you're in Europe, I would say go for the Pico 4. If you're in America, I would say, if you really want to upgrade, go for a Quest 2. But I would, what I would really say is hold out for the headsets that are coming out next year. If you are in the U.S. and you're with a Rift S, just wait for next year. There's going to be a whole bunch of headsets that are going to be a, an option for you. Yeah, that, that is a tough one. I would say no. I, I, the Rift S is a solid piece of kit. I, I wouldn't upgrade that to a G2. If you didn't already have one, then the G2 would be the way to go. If you don't already have a PC, that, that's that's what the, the I think the deal is trying to get is capture that uh, that target demographic of I have a amazing PC, but I don't have VR yet. This is the way to go. Uh, Rift S, though, I mean, just still holds its own for certain stuff. I mean, I, I still have mine. I haven't packed it away yet. Yeah, I mean, it's a solid headset, and you know, you have that. You have that cable, so you're not kind of relying on the battery. You have a really wide controller tracking range quality that's actually wider than the controller tracking range on Quest 2 or Pico 4 because you have five cameras rather than four. Uh, the problem is, obviously, you still have that 
much lower resolution display than Quest 2 or Pico 4. You have those fixed IPD lenses. It's just, it is a tough time because we're coming into the last year. Well, we're in the last year of Quest 2's three-year life cycle. So if you're going to pick up something like a Quest 2, in less than 12 months, we expect to see Quest 3 come out. It's a, it's, I, I, I almost don't want to say this, but I really don't recommend buying a VR headset at this exact moment unless you're in Europe and you want the Pico 4 because it's just come out. It just seems like we're at the very end of this kind of generational cycle. And if you can just hold out for maybe, you know, 10, 11, 12 more months, what the, the products like Quest 3 and its competitors are going to be a significant leap from what we have today. I am going to disagree and I'm going to say you should buy because waiting a year for the next thing is a vicious cycle to get into. You know, cars every year, it's like, I'm going to wait and buy a 2022. Oh, wait, look, the 2023s are coming out. Oh, now the 2022s are on sale. Oh, now I'm going to wait and get, oh, the 2023s are good. 2024 now. Ah, it's a vicious cycle when you have so to wait 12 months. I'd agree with you if, we're, if we were seeing a 12-month cycle, but what it looks like we're seeing here is a three-year cycle. And like I said, we're in year three of that three-year cycle. So it just doesn't make sense to me to buy it at this point when you're going to so quickly have it be replaced, especially given the fact that in the past few months, Quest 2 was increased from 300 to 400. Maybe we could talk differently. It's just the fact that it goes into its last year and its price gets higher. I think I would really, unless you're saying, I really want VR now and I really want a standalone system with all these games and it has to be, you know, not the Quest Pro because it's out of my price range. I just, it just it's, seems like a bad idea. It's a toughie, and I and I appreciate the whole three year life cycle, but that's just that one product from just that one company. What other headsets have come out in that span of those three years that also fit the narrative of I'm buying into VR just because it's not a standalone Quest Two by Meta. Uh, I don't know. I'm just yeah. Saying well, like I said, if you're yeah. if you're in Europe, the Pico Four is still a great buy. You know, it's it's cheaper than. Yeah the Quest 2 and you have a slightly mm-hmm. better performance, you have those pancake lenses, you have that weight balance. If you know, it's actually people haven't really said this much, but the Pico 4 is actually a great PC VR headset. If you are someone who you know, the commenter before who had their Rift S, if you're in Europe, I would say your your upgrade path is Pico 4. It'll it's a similar price as Reverb G2. The problem is it's not sold in the US and yes, you could import it over to the US if you want to risk that, but you're screwed if you have a support issue or it breaks because the first thing that Pico is going to say to you is you're not even in a supported continent, never mind a supported country. You're on your own. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, I'm someone who I've bought tech products that are only sold in North America that aren't sold in Europe. And I, when, I, when I do that, I take on the risk that if those break, those, you know, I've, I've emailed these companies to ask before I buy it and they they very clearly tell me, you know, if you want to do this, go ahead, but we cannot support you if this is going to break. So that is a big risk. And it, it, we're in a situation where because of Pico's marketing strategy right now, my advice for someone who lives in Europe and someone who lives in North America is dramatically different. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a good point. It's a good, good way to look at it. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess that's... Um you know, to each their own. Buy, buy whatever headset you want. Um, I, I will say that Pancake and Pass Through, 
two words that require me to make the P sound into this microphone have really changed the industry. Like if, if I had to put words down that have changed the industry this year, it would be pass through and pancake. You're definitely just making as many plosives as you can on purpose. No? <laughs> Am I? Okay. Well, hey, that's what I do. Well, I, I, I think, uh, do you have anything else you want to add here? No, I think we're ready to wrap up. I think this has been a great episode. Good. Yeah, very good. All right. So uh, for all of you out there in YouTube land, I uh, appreciate the comments. Uh, fun to see all that stuff. And uh, for those of you listening on the podcast, uh, you know, uh, really appreciate the fact that you're listening to it after the fact. And hopefully the uh, sounds aren't too bad for you. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and thanks to all the regulars and everything. Great. All right. Well, I think that's it. Uh, thank you all very much for watching and or listening. We'll see you in the future. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much.